Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 37th episode of The Roker Report. Me and Gav are joined today by some new faces, or should I say voices, in Connor and Copley. How are you lads doing? I'm good. I'm very good. Nice Sunday afternoon, Sunny. Can't complain. Not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. Good stuff. Gav, how are you getting on, mate? Bit hungover, but standard Sunday, you know? Of course, mm. standard Sunday. That's how we roll. Yeah. <laughs> well, quite a few things have happened uh, since the last time we spoke. We brought in some players, we played some games. Uh, pre-season's very much in full swing, so let's start by having a little chat about the most recent result, which was, unfortunately, a 3-0 pasting by Scottish Premiership Club St. Johnston. Now, <laughs> while I think it's fair to say the pre-season isn't necessarily the be-all and end-all of everything, it isn't also fair to question what on earth happened yesterday. I mean, what do you make of it, Gav? What happened there in Scotland, <laughs> in rainy Scotland? God, I really don't know, lads. It's just a. I know. I know. Pre-season, pre-season games generally don't matter. When it comes to it, you think you know St Johnston finished what fourth in the SPL last year. I think. I think. Jarrowfin would probably finish fourth in the SPL. It's not. It's not a great standard, and with the right organisation and the right level of coaching, obviously decent managers can work with limited budgets in Scotland. Clearly, as you can see, there's not there's not a, a big group of players at St Johnson, but it doesn't make us make the results seem any better. We turn up to games like these expecting to win because we're the we're the big club, we're the ones with the with the talented players that have spent a lot of money on the squads, um, and it's it's not great, really, regardless of it being pre-season. I know it's not great that you fold in such a fashion and are unable to get back into the game against weak opposition is, is, is the top and bottom of it. Mm. Um, I wasn't at the game. I've seen the goals. The defending for all three was shocking. I'm sure we'll get on the Minoni's catastrophe, which led to the, f- the first one later on. Um, but, I mean, the specifics of, of pre-season games generally aren't important, but I think in this case they were because, as we will move on to later, Grayson's comments... Uh, Regarding regarding the performances of certain players and attitudes that he's seen, you know, obviously there was something to be concerned about there. And mm. irrespective of of whether or not people like to brush it off and say, look, preseason means nothing. In this case, I think it does because you can't you can't even even if we had a one two or three nil, we would have maybe thought, yeah, fair enough, good run out, things like that maybe a couple of good goals, youngsters played well, but we got hammered and it wasn't it wasn't a, it was it was in a similar sort of fashion as the last season three goals in quick succession there wasn't a great amount of urgency after the goals to to get back in the game um i know we missed the penalty early doors and it was it was poorly struck by Vaughan but by all accounts he played really well yeah. put himself about and and uh, grayson made made an example of that after the game stating that the three loudest cheers of the game came when uh, Vaughan track back to win a couple of tackles and then the other was for I'm not sure another big tackle later in the game but Vaughan is obviously a player that Grayson wants to put up on a pedestal and say look the reason this lad's here is because he's worked hard to get this position and and the rest of the squad need to live up to that sort of standard and players like Lamin Coney for instance you know undoubtedly talented capable of doing just about anything he wants on the football pitch on his day but Sadly, he's got a short in pre-season because there may be a situation where he is still at the club come the end of the summer. You never know. Mm. I don't. I don't think for one minute though that if he's if he's not putting the effort and the attitude's bad, I don't think for one minute that, that 
Grayson would keep him around. But it, it goes back to what Simon Grayson said last week when he was asked about Kazri and Lenz. He said that, look, it doesn't matter where the futures lie. At the minute, the Sunderland players, the, the chip in like the rest of the squad, they train just as hard, they work hard in the games. Clearly, that's not been the case with mm. certain players. So from that perspective, I'm, I'm, that, that is concerning because at the end of the day, it's what they do in pre-season which leads into the new season, isn't it? It's it, the work that goes into the training, the organisation, the fitness. If that's not spot on in pre-season, then we'll come the start of season, we'll start slowly again like we do it nearly every year. Mm. So it's 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 important that, that Grayson weeds out that issue early, I think. I think we're going to see a lot of movement in this next week playing squad-wise, I think. It, it's fair to say that there's a lot of a lot of changes need to be made. We need to bring some new players in, obviously, but going out as well. I think. I think if there was, if, if there's players there that he's not happy with, that he thinks are causing a problem. I don't think it'll be long before they're gone. Do you think though the preseason in general has been poor? I mean, I know they won three 0 at Livingston, but the Hibs game wasn't you know, wasn't great. Um, obviously, it was a testimonial, so you have to bring that into consideration. Mm. Um, and the Bury game or Berry game, sorry, uh, wasn't really a, a strong performance by the team. Um, I'm kind of in a lot of ways glad that they took the hammering yesterday because I think fans were starting to get a bit taken away with the few signings with some of the things Grayson was saying and you know being pegged down a little bit you know it's going to be a hard struggle uh, we've still got a lot of holes in the squad there's players that even though you know we've seen even on Roger Report we talk about possibly keeping Coney or Kazri or Lenz you know are they actually the right fit for the team at the minute and you know I think I think as fans we, we were kind of hoping they would be good next year but they're probably not the right sort of fits for the team at the minute I mean what do you make of it Copley well, what are your conclusions so um, I kind of agree with uh, with both Gav and Connor. Um, I think, um, I mean, you look at last season's uh, pre-season, we drew with Dortmund, so it might be kind of um, a blessing in disguise. Grayson will get a feel for his squad. He gets to weed out uh, who's making the efforts. He's, he'll have sussed a few players out. Um, and it's nice to see in the comments afterwards, uh, following a, a bad defeat, that he understands the fan base and what, what the fan base is after with the Vaughan performance, running for the shirt, um, Megan. Uh, he, he understands what... We as fans are after, and I think that's I think that's good. Um, and overall, this preseason being such a mixed bag kind of gives us, uh, you know, a reasonable expectation of what to expect this season. Mm. I mean, it's interesting while we can sit here and say that preseason doesn't necessarily mean anything, or the opposite of that, that it does mean something. It's obvious that to the management team and the backroom staff that there's a lot coming. There's a lot riding on it. You know what I mean? They're obviously making their initial judgments there it's the the first opportunity they really have the management team to see exactly where we're weak and what we need so it's i think it's easy to dismiss it as just a, just a friendly do you know what i mean should really mean anything just about fitness but it is about a lot more than that so it's it's not disheartening or anything like that i think it, it's a, in a way it sort of tempers our optimism because Obviously, we waited so long to get a manager in. We waited so long to get players in. There's a, a sort of buoyancy that comes with getting the ball rolling. Do you know what I mean? On, the, on that sort of thing. And now that we've got that, and um, we've got a little bit of momentum going, we're all quite excited in a way. And even the pessimists. I'm quite a pessimistic person, but I'm quite excited about things. Maybe it's just because I miss the football. I don't know. It can do crazy things to you. But it's so to have that sort of that. Um, that optimism tempered now with a bit of reality. Like, oh, look, even though we have, perhaps we've got the manager that we might need, perhaps he's saying all the right things and he's got all the right moves in the transfer market as within his limited budget. It's still, it's still quite damning for the team that we had on there. I mean, I remember just before the match started, we were looking at the lineup and we were saying in the uh, Rope Report thread, like, that's quite a strong team. What we've got out there right now, it's, and I, I, you know, I specifically said, like, that team on paper is very capable in the championship, or it should be. You know, it should be a very capable team. Not, not necessarily running through the championship with ease, but actually, like, just being able to hold their own. For me, Damo, um, when I, I read a lot of the optimism from the fans, I know we'll touch on signings in a bit, but do people actually believe that James Vaughan's going to be able to lead the line for next year? Like, people are looking at the team going, oh, it's good to see Kazri, Lenz, you know, good players. Darren Gibson even looks good in pre-season uh, in Dong and stuff. But then the front line, you know, James Vaughan couldn't really do it at Birmingham. Had an all right spell at Huddersfield and he did well in League One last year, but he's not exactly the striker that's going to fire up into the Premier League, is he? Interesting. Mm, I I, I see. I kind of see your point, but to be honest, I don't think that's why Vaughan's here. Um, I think the club have seen seen 
a, a piece of business there which suits us. Maybe you know coming in with a low with a low fee uh, on the back of a good goal score and run. He's a he's a decent age. Worked with the manager before, um, but you've got to remember the championship. Forty six games in a season, um, playing twice a week. Sometimes we need options in that in that position. And uh, I like to use Newcastle as an example quite a lot when I talk about what's in the championship because certain things they did last year are relevant, probably relevant to how we need to act this season. Um, one thing they did do was they brought in a couple of strikers who were experienced um, at that level in Gale and, and in uh, Murphy. Uh, in particular, though, Murphy kind of reminds us of the Vaughan signing, somebody who's just there when needed, doesn't play every week, but he can come on off the bench, work hard for you if, you, if you're trying to hold a lead. Um, I, I kind of see that rule for James Vaughan in, in Sunderland's team. I don't think that's why he's been signed. I, I hope not anyways, because, I, you know, I don't I don't think for one minute that Grayson would expect to put all of that on, on Vaughan next season. I just think, I just think that... Uh, there's there's still players to come in, uh, maybe another two strikers, possibly three, and uh, I think obviously Josh Madge has given food for thought, but I've said it quite a lot. I think I think both Madger and Asoro need to leave the club this year, go out on loan further down the leagues and play for teams where they're going to play every single week, score goals and prove themselves. Because as we've seen with Jordan Henderson, Colback, uh, Pickford, players like that, they had to go out and, and you know earn experience before they got a chance in our first team. And I'm not saying that Madger doesn't deserve a chance, but what I do think is that before any player is able to fully, you know, establish themselves and become a contender for the first team at a club as big as Sunderland they've got to have some experience at, at you know a professional in the professional game um so yeah going off the point slightly there with that but I do think that Vaughan we've got to kind of look at what his role's probably going to be I don't think it's going to be starting every week fitness wise um before he was at Berry, he was known to be quite injury prone and that's always going to hang over him I guess you know you probably can't expect a player like that to play 40-odd games in a season because, um, as his injury record would suggest, he's not capable of it. But he will be capable of just dropping in whenever we need him. And you've got to think that rebutes that Grayson described when he talked about Vaughan and he talked about what he brings to a team, hard work and chases everything down, and puts himself about good finisher by all accounts. Counts, but the main things that uh, Grayson pointed out were the attributes that I've just said there. He's very, very good off the ball. And you think when you when you're leading games and you need you need to hold a lead, that's the type of player you want to have on your bench. So to answer what you were saying there, I don't think necessarily that that's the expectation of of Vaughan. Maybe at this stage it is because he's the only striker we've got. But I think come uh, the time we play Derby. I think we'll have a couple more bodies in. I actually think there's going to be a bit, bit of movement going on this week. We've seen a few players linked over the weekend and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a centre-half coming in the next few days. Just That's purely speculation. I just think that with the with the um, the result at the weekend, it maybe shows that O'Shea is not you know, quite up to scratch and that we might have to bring in a couple of more players in that position. Up front, again, we need, we need bodies. So... Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get too caught up in what what players' roles are just yet because I think we we are so threadbare that even though that team that played against St Johnson looked good quality, you know, I, I looked at it and thought that's a decent side, and then we got torn a bit. Even though even though we thought like that, you've got to think it's, you need a big squad if you're going to amount to anything in the championship. You can't rely on players like James Vaughan to play every week necessarily. It's definitely good that uh, Vaughan sees the uh, the club as a step up. Is I don't know if you saw his interview um, before leaving with Bury TV. Uh, he wants to get back to the top. He's tasted it before. Um, he understands what Grayson wants out of his football as well, and he's willing to work hard to get there. So I think it's it's positive. He's a positive sign, and and what Gav said, his role is crucial and it's key. Um, he's not going to be first choice. There'll be some movement, um, but I think he's experienced. He's been around the block a few times, and if he stays fit, he could be um, he could be an asset. Interesting. I mean, I, I, I sort of agree with Gav. I can see where Connor's coming from, I'm, I, but then again, I'm not entirely sure that Gav necessarily refuted what Connor was saying. I mean, we do need depth. That doesn't necessarily mean that Vaughan's going to be the man. Doesn't mean that he's going to be doing anything decent. And we we just simply need bodies. I mean, we would like to think that the players that we were going for there was a specific role that they could fill, and that the manager has this role in mind and he's confident that that player is going to be able to fulfil it. Um, I don't know. That's in an ideal world. We'll see what happens, I suppose, with that. But yeah, so that was <laughs> that's our pre-season so far, really. That's um, that's all there is to say about it. it. Is what it is. We're not doing particularly well, but hopefully that will help the manager strengthen in the coming weeks. Um, talking about Grayson's comments, going back to those specifically, he's talking about the effort of some players, quote unquote, some players 
and how if they weren't willing to buy into what he was trying to do, then they they could be gone. Do you know what I mean? He couldn't care less. What do you make about that, Gav? Do you think he's like? I mean, is that the sort of thing we want to be hearing from Grayson right about now? Absolutely, absolutely. Especially having suffered from uh, David Moyes last season, mm. you know, massaging the players' egos a lot of the time, telling them, telling us, "Oh well, they're just not good enough." No, you know what I mean. Just if if the if they're a bunch of dickheads, tell us they're a bunch of dickheads, mm. which is what Grayson's done. He he, he quite he's not going to name names, obviously, but it's early days and he's already worked out who the idiots are. Um, and it'll not be long before they're gone. We'll we'll see in the coming weeks which players are gone, and you'll know exactly who the, the troublemakers were because they'll be the first ones out the door. Um, <clears throat> I wrote something on the site today about this. Actually, I, I put a piece up just uh, looking at what he what he'd said, and you know, really, I think I think the, those comments will be something a bit like when Moyes two games into the season referred to a relegation battle. I think we'll look back at things like this in the coming months and say that was a turning point because. I do think that um, Grayson gets it. I think I think he he knows exactly what the fans want. He's quite clearly read up on and, and looked into the reasons why things have went wrong. He's been told why things have went wrong in the past, and he's thought, well, it's very simple. Let's let's just not do that. Um, obviously, it's easier said than done, but really, just making a a more positive, hardworking environment is what Sunderland fans want to see on the pitch. The players running and and and, and grafting every second that they're on there is exactly what we want to see. Look, if we don't amount to anything this season, nobody will complain as long as they're watching a team give their all. That's that's all that Sunderland fans have ever wanted. Right through history, Sunderland fans have, have been, you know, they've watched some shit, they've watched some good teams, but more often than not, it's it's a case of, did that player try his best every time he pulled the shirt on? And if they didn't, we haven't got very many good words to say about them. If they did, they remembered very well. Kevin Ball, Gary Bennett, players like that who came from outside of Sunderland and became legends here just because of how much they loved the club and they bought into it. And that's ultimately what Grayson's got to do. He's got to get these players on board. Um, the ones who don't want to be here need to leave. And if they're, even if they're the more talented players, then, you know, so what? I'd rather have a team of grafters at the minute who are just going to dig in and really help us get this, this club on a sound footing in the championship because it's a tough league and we can't, we can't afford bottlers, we can't afford shirkers, we can't afford any player who's going to go out there and not give his all. Because if you do, then you, you haven't got a place at this club. Um, James Vaughan, for instance, um, it, I, I know, I know we've spoken about him just before, but Vaughan, Vaughan is known for his work rate. That's the type of signing we're going to see. McGeady, all right. The, the, he was nicknamed McGreedy, I think, at a couple of other clubs. But apparently he works very hard. Takes, takes on board, takes on board instructions from, from the manager very well. Work with the manager before he knows what he's about. So what, what you know, I've heard, People say that it's concerning that Grayson bring, wants to bring in players that he knows. But, I mean, I think that's kind of what we need at this stage because there's so much shit there that he needs people on side immediately to help change the, the mentality of this squad around. And, you know, if, if, it, if it takes him saying things like he did to get things right, then, you know, I think we'll look back and, and say this is a defining moment, as a big moment in our season. Uh, I, I would agree with a lot of what Gav said. I think Grayson's comments, um, although I agree that obviously with exactly what Gav said before about effort, Sunderland fans like effort, I think Grayson used the 3-0 defeat, put the emphasis on a lack of effort and talked about how the kids had worked much harder, mainly just to put a bit of a shockwave through the squad. Um, I think obviously people are likely to point to players like Coney and Lenz, but you know Lenz was probably the, one of the better performers. Um, in the weekend's game, so he's not necessarily a natural pick for that. Mm. Um, so yeah, fair enough. I think it's it's crucial for Grayson to kind of foster a positive attitude, and if that means calling some of the shirkers out publicly, then so be it. Um, it's going to kick some of them, kick some of them rightly up the arse, or they're going to be forced to leave. Uh, the players are going to know exactly where they stand with Grayson, as opposed to Moyes, who just seemed a muddy coddle them for most of last season. Mm. So I think he's going about things the right way. It's just a shame that it was a, a three 0 defeat has kind of dampened some of the um, some of the hope that Sunderland fans Sunderland fans have uh, seen. Mm. Well, I mean, we're talking about the plot and what he said, his words exactly. Who do we think he's talking about, Gav, specifically? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm gonna yeah, Corny um, had had Lens not have played well. But as he apparently, I think, got man the match. Had Lens not played well, I probably would have said him. But um, yeah, specifically Coney. Um, 
Manoni maybe. Mm. Um, you know, it was mooted that he's eight well he's aging Defanti, didn't he? He did say that uh at the end of the season that Manoni should probably leave Sunderland, yeah. so I don't know whether his his head's in the clouds or not. Uh, I haven't seen that first goal, Christ, you would you would definitely say they are. Um but I think it's probably hard to say. We'll know we'll know in the coming weeks when players leave who they were, because anybody who's not on board's gonna be out the door. Simple as that. I think with Manoni, um I don't know how good of a goalie he is. He had that good run in the Great Escape team under Poye, and then after that, he seems to have been a very shaky goalkeeper for him. People are thinking he's going to be, you know, a solid championship keeper next year, but I don't know if there's necessarily evidence to suggest that that will be the case. Um, I've never particularly been impressed with him. The, he's never been the same goalie after we got the 8-0 off Southampton. I think if we're looking at the, the goalie situation, it's something I think it's, it's, it's a must-improve area, I believe, for Grayson, because I don't think we can rely on Manone. I don't think we can rely on Mika, and I don't think we can rely on Sturridge. What do you make of it, Copley? I don't think um, Manone has really been all that good, as Connor says, since the um, since the Poye era. And obviously, he's loved for that semi-final at Old Trafford, which was one of the best nights of my life. And I can't thank him, thank him enough from that. But he's been shaky of late. Um, and I can't remember who it was said on the site recently, but they would like to see you know a young, hungry goalkeeper in, followed by a veteran, and they could kind of deputise for each other. I think that would be... Some something that would be good. Obviously, Minone is going to be on a bit of a wage at the moment as well, and we could possibly get some money for him. So if it frees up other options for Grace, and I wouldn't be adverse to to Minone leaving, especially uh, given how shaky he's been. Mm. Well, he hasn't. For me, he just hasn't been the same since um, since that Southampton game. <laughs> I just I, I haven't. He's been a shadow of whatever whatever we saw before that eight nil. It's just been, and he's had slight performances since then that have made you think, oh well, maybe that was just a. Just a blip, but he seems to just make these mistakes all the time. See what I mean? I don't. I think he's unreliable. I think he might have talent mm. as a keeper, but he's far too unreliable. Mm. I think. I think it would signal a new era if we if we change goalkeepers. To be honest, I think. Uh, I think Vito has has been a good servant for this club, but I just think we need somebody dependable, and you know, we, we can't we can't let past uh, past glory if you want if you want to put it like that. You, you can't let things like that cloud your judgment of him now. Has he performed well enough in the last year or two? No, not at all. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to chastise him for that mistake he made in the game against St. Johnson. Necessarily, I just think he's generally not not that great. Um, I don't like to say it because he's clearly a nice lad and he's he's gonna he's gonna go down. I guess as is one of the more uh, loved Sunderland goalkeepers of recent years because see you, you you do immediately attach great memories to to him in the Sunderland shirt. But in the championship, I think you need to have somebody. Generally, whenever we've been in the championship and done well, we've had a dependable goalkeeper. Now, last time we were down there it was Darren Ward. Who, God, he came in. He came in as his backup actually, and and obviously as the season progressed, he was our first choice. But, uh, Ward was a great keeper, experienced, knew the lower leagues. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that that's what we need now, but. I would I wouldn't be against Sunderland going to maybe looking down the leagues, League One, uh, maybe 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 even at, at some of the lower Championship teams, and just saying, you know, is there a bargain there keeper who would appreciate the step up to a club like Sunderland? Because in the past it's worked for us, and uh, yeah, Vito Minone, a great goalkeeper on his day, but he's he's just another memory of a bad era of the club for me, and I'm I, I want to get away from that, and I, th- I think I think. Uh, he could well be one of those players who who Grayson was talking about, who you know, because obviously we're going to tribute those comments from his agent saying he wants to leave to it. You know, mm. does he want to be here? Does he want to be back in Italy? Uh, I, I would say so, and I think I think if if there's any way we can get rid of him and maybe bring someone in, it, it would have been nice to have John Ruddy. I, I thought I thought maybe he would have came in. Um, not the greatest goalkeeper, but again, championship experience, played for England. Had you know had has has a lot of top flight experience as well. If we can bring in a, a goalkeeper like that, a solid, dependable pair of hands that we know is just going to come in and, and do a job and not let us down, then I'm all for it. And I think I think Vito's timed probably up actually. Mm, I think it's fair to say. I mean, he wasn't just pushed out by Pickford purely because Pickford was mint. You know what I mean? He was he was pushed out because he was clearly unreliable, as you say. And he, I mean, best of luck to him. As you say, he's a fine servant to the club. And we've all had some great memories of him, but you're absolutely right. It's a ruthless business. We can't, especially in that position, we just can't risk having someone who isn't the best possible 
player we can get for that position. I mean, talking about transfers now specifically, obviously we've got Kone linked away, um, which we should talk about specifically actually about how far that transfer has fallen from what we were arguing about. I remember, and you may all remember, um, in pre-season last year, with the idea of Everton coming in to take Kone for somewhere between 20 million and 30 million. And it was one of the first times that Moyes put his foot down and made everyone have a little think about whether or not he was capable of doing that job. Do you know what I mean? Because I remember at the time I was completely against it. I didn't want to get rid of him. He was one of the best players we'd had in a while. Uh, he was, it was, it all seems to be under Allardyce, you know, I mean, it was all under, or maybe just for different reasons, he was being promised different things by a different manager. And Allardyce is famously friends with a lot of agents, so it's obviously very easy for him to keep players sweet. But when Moyes turned around and said, no, he's, he's contracted to stay with us, I don't know if that's because there wasn't much weight in the deal, in the proposed deal from Everton or something like that, but he was, he was pictured in Merseyside, do you know what I mean? So it was all, it was all a bit of a, of a scrum really at the end, and, as I say, I was quite happy and I was quite uh, elated in a way and impressed by Moyes, the way he put his foot down and said, no, you stay and you've got to work. But from then on, it just didn't seem to work out. And now the figures that we're talking about, they're being banded around, it's nowhere near 30 million. And obviously he hasn't got this shining six months behind him that we can put him in the shop window. It's all, all he's had is like piss poor performances, really, to be honest, in comparison to what he had when we first got him. Copley, what do you make about him? What, what do you make of Kone and the way his valuation's gone down so drastically in such a short space of time? Well, hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Especially in football. Um, and Kone seems to be one of these players where his head has to be absolutely right for him to put in any uh, kind of decent performance. And it's quite clear that for the past, you know, nine months, eight months, his head's completely gone. He wouldn't play for us in the Premier League, really. He, he damn bills. Uh, so I don't know what makes anybody think he's going to play for us in the championship and give us all. Um, so if we can get any amount of money from him and get him off the wage bill, I'll be pretty happy because I think he is one of those shirkers that uh, that we talk about. Um, and if we could get somebody else in to replace him, I think definitely do it. He could be an asset in the championship if if Grayson can get his head his head right and and motivate him. But um, I'm not convinced Grayson's going to be able to do that, especially with Kone. He just seems like a lost cause at the mm-hmm. moment. And I don't think there's any motivating a player like that. To be honest, I think he's uh, he's got the wrong people in his ear, and he and he he doesn't necessarily uh, want to be here, which will put people off. I, I, as Damien alluded to there, the whole the whole scenario when he when he was linked with Everton that would put me off straight away. You know, his agent has far too much to say in in what what happens that that was all agent stuff that Coney didn't have a clue what was going on I don't think he's intelligent enough to to try and architect a move away in the way that they did that was that was clearly you know agent play trying to trying to screw something over um but he's been linked with clubs like West Brom and I think would Tony Pulis even want him would he want a player like that troublemaker you know known for not putting his effort in every week because that traditionally Pulis teams that's what they do work hard that's why he gets the best out of average players um so i can't say coney going there west ham yeah i can say him going there west ham spent money up the wall quite often on players that shouldn't be shouldn't be there so mm. if he's going to go anywhere i can see him going there uh, he's been linked to burnley again is, is sean dice going to want to play like that probably not he's similar to Pulis in that way his teams work hard um and managers talk, obviously, you know, Allardyce, Allardyce has probably got a lot of good to say about Coney, but he'll, he, they talk to each other. And I'm, I'm pretty sure a majority of managers at the top level know exactly what was going on behind the scenes at Sunderland last season. And if Coney was as big a problem as, as made out, you know, then I'm sure they were all fully aware. And it'll, it, it, it would, it would make you question whether you want to part with your money, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the whole crack about him refusing to play before the Southampton game, um, that was just, that was just embarrassing, and for that, for Premier League football at a treat Sunday like that, he should never have played for us again. Mm. I was happy at the time that we would. I was happy that we stood our ground and and held on to him because it was it was sort of it was Moyes making a statement of intent, trying to show that he was the boss. No, we're not selling you. We're not giving any demands. But mm. that money would have been nice. That eighteen to twenty four million pounds yeah. that was mooted. That would have been nice. It could have, it could have got us a couple more ex Everton players, couldn't it? So, mm-hmm. um, but <laughs> Coney is going to leave. Um, I, I, I was, was kind of on the fence with him up till last week, and I thought that maybe we would hang on to him and he, he could be an asset in the championship if, if 
motivated and if ready to, to take on such a challenge but I just don't think that there's anything there and he'll be gone pretty pretty sharpish I think like I say I think West Ham's probably the best bet because I don't think any experienced Premier League manager with with the ethos of like a Daesh or a Pulis is going to want to take a gamble on somebody like that I think an issue um, with Coney for a team like Burnley would be his wages number one but I do think we're maybe underselling him because the Premier League now the way money gets branded round players like Coney you know they do actually have a, a 10 million pound valuation and the club will be able to bank on a team panicking in the last week of the transfer window, needing a centre-half, who maybe lost their first two or three games, going, right, we need a centre-back, we'll get Coney in, he's big, he's powerful, and if he can replicate that form he had at Sunderland for the about six months under Allardyce um, at the end of uh, the season before last, we'll be looking at a really, really good player, and I think that's why we'll end up getting a, a decent-ish fee for him. Mm. I don't think we'll get any more than £10 million. Um, I certainly don't think we'll get anywhere near what we were quoted last year, quoting teams last year, but the club... I think we could get a good good sale on Coney. I think the the main issue is going to be replacing him. You know, we're going to have to get a mm. a big potty centre back uh, from somewhere who's going to play you know, forty six games in the championship and, and do well. And that's going to be the the main issue. I mean, the links that we've seen today when we were Tommy Elphick, Aiden Flint, are they the right characters? I, I don't know. Mm. It's a, well, it's interesting you bring up uh, Aiden Flint and Elphick. Obviously, yeah, we have been with them today. I mean, I'm. Before we continue on that, I've got to say I agree with you on the Kone subject. Like, that's what concerns me the most about losing Kone is who do we replace him with? Because we're looking at John O'Shea and we're looking at Papi Chilabodji and then we're talking, at, talking about the young lads. Do you know what I mean? Which is, well, they should always get the chance. It's that none of them are ready to to step up from to this level at the moment. I think they've proved that a few times. Um, but yeah, talking about Aidan Flint, for example, we've been linked with and Elphick. Uh, what do you make of that, Gav? What do you make of the links we've had today? Aiden the right type, of, yeah, the right type of players. I think uh, championship experienced Flint, uh, big player for Bristol City, and and Elphick was was Villa's captain last season. You know what I mean? So I suppose they're not Premier League proven players, uh, but that's not what necessarily the market we're in anymore. We're looking for players that were going to come in solidify that defence. It's leaky. It's still leaky. We've conceded quite a lot of goals in pre-season. Um, Flint's a good age. He's, he's what, 27, 28. Um, only really played in the lower leagues, but he's, he's, he's very well thought of. And, you know, there's a reason that he's been linked all over the place in the last year because he's obviously very capable. Big lad, scores from corners. Um, so again, another, another goal threat in the team. That's, that's the type of player I would like to see. We, we've banged the drum for Aiden Flint for quite a long, quite a long while on the site. Um, Elphick, I don't know a great lot about, but you would you would have to give him some credit for being a part of Bournemouth's move up the leagues because that he was he was with them for quite a few years. Villa bought him last season; and it just hasn't worked out. And you'd think with John Terry there, there's probably not a place in the squad for him. So um, you're probably going to get someone like Elphick for a lot less uh, of an outlay, which will probably suit us. But Flint, Flint is the one really. I think there's a reason he's been linked to a lot of Premier League clubs. He's, he's obviously very, very imposing, very good in the air. Um, a solid player, probably worthy of a move to a club like Sunderland. These are the right type of players to be linked with. Um, and obviously come the end of the window, I would like to see a, a, lot of the, a lot of these lads, the likes of Flint, even people like Marcus Madison, who's a Peter Bray, you know, lads who are ready for a step up into this, into this level, who are good players, who aren't going to cost the world, but... They come to a club like Sunderland and they appreciate the opportunity, which is what we've we talk about this all the time. We haven't done this enough in recent years. Sunderland, we're, we're quite happy to go and spend ten million pound on a cast off from Liverpool or a, or a man, loan a player from Manchester United like Yanazai. But we're, we're not happy to, to spend what one two million on a, on a defender from Bristol City who who's proven at this level that he's very good and capable. Who would come to Sunderland and would relish the opportunity to be here. Wouldn't step on us when, when, you know, the going gets tough, like Coney has. Would come here and, and really work for the shirt. Again, that's the type of player we need. So I'm happy with those links. You know, paper talks, paper talk, though. It's more likely not that these were even in for these players, but it's nice to be linked to players like that. It, it sort of shows that that's the path we're going down anyway, is that there's players like this about that are of decent value and that, that would have a good chance of getting if we wanted them and, and would improve our team. Connor, what do you make of this Elphick link? I think the, the thing that concerns me most with Elphick, and I've seen, obviously, we've been linked with Russell Corbett as well, is the two players who went to Villa last summer who they have obviously pinpointed as not being right for their clubs. And I think Villa are 
in a similar situation to us. You know, they were probably the biggest club or second biggest behind us. In the, well, they're the second biggest. We are the biggest club in the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, Villa are a big club and then players haven't been a right fit. So why do we think we can sign a Ross McCormack or a Tommy Elphick and they'll fit right into the team? It doesn't sit right with me that we're going to buy players from Villa when they haven't fit in there correctly. There's got to be a reason why they're trying to get rid of them. McCormack has a bad attitude. Um, certainly, Steve Bruce hasn't been a big fan of him. And Elphick just seems to me to be a run-of-the-mill centre-back who fit into a Bournemouth team. Um, but even then, Eddie Howe decided he wasn't worth keeping uh, for the second season of the Premier League. So can we really put value in signing a player like Tommy Elphick? I don't know. Aidan Flint, I think he's got much more legs to him. I think he's got uh, a far brighter career ahead of him. And I think he is the right sort of player we should be going for. But Elphick and McCormack is, a, is another one that just... For me, they don't sit right. I, I don't think they would be good signings for it, especially if the outlay for them is, you know, looking at five million plus, that they're not going to be worth it. And it, it just really doesn't sit right that Villa are wanting to get rid of them. And I don't think they'll be the right fit for us. With, with the likes of us being uh, linked with Flint, I think it's it's positive again, because if we can get a good solid team behind the likes of Kasri should he stay and possibly Lenz should he stay and then add Vaughan and then a couple of strikers, a few more goals. If I have a solid team behind those lot, then we could like have some extreme cause for optimism. And especially with Brown and Galloway, I'm, I'm quite positive about them. They've both got well, seemingly really decent temperaments. I mean... Um, Galloway was in the um, the same MK Dons team, sorry, the same youth team at MK Dons that saw Deli Ali come. He's under 21. He was the youngest, um, the youngest ever MK Dons player. So you know he's he's got like that that temperament that we need. He sees this as a, a kind of a platform to to springboard his career. And Brown has got a good temperament as well. He he made his debut in a Merseyside derby, which is no easy, easy task. So I think if we can get a solid team behind the attacking outlets that we have at the moment, then there could be calls for optimism. Yeah, well, I mean, the interesting thing about all of these transfers is that it's uh, it, it's none of it's like blowing anyone away, is it? No, no one's trying to pull up any trees or anything like that. It seems to be, at the very least, they seem to be reasonable. I mean, there's a thing about being in the Premier League where you get linked to players and there's, there's just no possibility of you getting them. You know what I mean? It's all, it is, as Gav said earlier, it's like agent talk. So it's kind of refreshing in a way to be most of the names that we're linked with, even if they aren't spectacular for whatever reason. It's very... Um, well, it's just good. It's, it's it's refreshing, isn't it? It's refreshing to to know that we're seriously in for these players. I mean, particularly under Moyes, there was this big song and dance around transfers, and all the cards are always played close to the chest. And I wasn't sure whether that was Moyes or whether it was Bain specifically doing that. And I'm not sure how beneficial it is in a transfer deal or in your overall transfer dealings over the course of the window to play your cards so close to your chest. I'm not sure that that ever benef- benefited anyone. I can see it in much in a much broader scope, talking about teams dealing with a lot more money, like talking 50, 60 million a player. I can see why you'd, again, play your cards close to your chest with that. With us, though, it's, it's good to just have a sort of a, a sense of normality about the transfer window to go, right, oh, this is who we're in for, even if a couple of them are nonsense. Most of them, they seem to be. There's always a grain of truth there, but it seems to be a solid link, and it's just nice to have that for me. It's it's good to it, it gives us as fans a sort of not transparency from the club, but it seems like there's a clear path. You know what I mean? There, there's a plan set in stone, and that's something that we've been waiting for. We've, we've been told a few times that that was always the case, but now it seems that they're actually following through with it, which is something I I find, as I say, refreshing and very useful going into the nervy times of each transfer window and pre-season, just before the season. I mean, talking about transfers, obviously we've brought in four players now. Connor, for you, I'll go around the whole table and ask, but start us off. Where do you think we need to strengthen most next? I think that the the team needs a goal scorer. I know we've signed Vaughan, we touched on him quite a bit before, but he isn't the option to score 20-plus goals a season. And you see with championship teams, you know, you need a Dwight Gale at Newcastle. You know, you need a Glenn Murray who was at Brighton. The teams that go up and look the best are the ones that have goal scorers. We currently do not have a goal scorer. We don't have a player that I feel confident for 10 goals in that league who plays up front. And we have to make sure that we have a striker. Because if we go into the season with a player like Vaughan and then maybe, you know, backing him up with Major and Azor and then maybe signing a Daryl Murphy because he's been linked, then I, I just don't see goals. And 
to get out of this league, you need goal scorers. We need players who can play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, who are going to score goals. Mm. And it, it worries me that we haven't seen a, a good striker link yet. And I think Grayson has to be racking his brain to find a, a viable option. Because mm. at the moment, I'm, I'm concerned that, you know, there's quite a bit of talk going around Vaughan and the, the club websites, you know, promoting them quite a lot. Grayson's talking very glowingly about how he's were great, but we need to make sure that the, he's not the only option because we'll struggle next season. Doesn't matter how good your defence is, doesn't matter how good your midfield is. If we don't have a goal scorer, then we'll get no better than 10th. Mm. I, 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 think, I think that the problem is really at this stage is that not a lot of players are available at the minute. The, the transfer window can kind of be split in the two, can't it? You, you've got the early days where you, a lot of free transfers are going spare and players who were maybe warned that they were able to leave their clubs at the end of the season, they're all available now. But then once the season's a couple of weeks in, the Premier League and the Football League season, once they're a couple of weeks in and you, you get towards deadline day and a lot more players start becoming available, players like Ross McCormack, who was signed for big fees and probably on big wages, you aren't going to get a player like that now. Sunderland aren't going to outlay money on a Ross McCormack now. They'll wait till deadline day when he's when when he's value drops significantly and, and the deals probably work a little bit better for us because we, we can't forget really that our financial situation hasn't just improved overnight. We don't have a massive budget to play with you. So you saw the fees for McGeady and Vaughan, something like seven hundred fifty thousand for the pair of them. Amazing, really, when you consider you know, what you're getting. You're getting a you're getting a player who scored twenty four goals in League One, and then you're getting Preston's Player of the Year from last season. Mm. That's decent business. We, we are, there aren't a lot of deals out there. That, that's a problem. There aren't a lot of deals like that out there. We've got to kind of just be patient, I think. And I think there will be movement this week, but I don't I don't expect us to have the finished article come first game of the season. I think you're going to have to wait maybe till the end of August when we're five or six games in to really see what Grayson Sunderland's going to look like. And it might even be a couple of years. I've said this before, he needs, he needs time to, to do this. We can't place too much pressure on the manager at this stage because we know the situation with the club being great. We haven't got a lot of money. Uh, there's still the ownership thing hanging over. I know short committed to the club short term, but you know they're not going to be spending big fees on players when when that's still up in the air. And we have to just be patient that Grayson's going to get this right eventually. It might not happen overnight. It might not happen after one year. Could be a couple. But let's just let's just hope that he does get it right. And particularly up front, there's not a lot of value out there for strikers. You look at players you mentioned. Gale uh, was a bit of a gamble actually. I thought by Newcastle and, and Murray's a seasoned pro. But how much would even a player like that cost you? Now you see some of the fees for decent players. Now Kyle Water going for fifty million, Pickford going for thirty. You're looking, you're looking, and then you're thinking, well, what does a twenty-five goal season strike on the Championship cost you? Chris Wood, how much would he cost a team like Sunderland now? I mean, you're on about Premier League money, fifteen to twenty million pounds on a striker. We just don't have that money, so we we have to wait until the right deals come up. I guess Vaughan was obviously a very good deal and it came up at the right time and, and we decided to go with it but you're not going to you're not going to find a 25 goal a season striker uh, right at the start of the window because we are still relatively early days aren't we it's what 16 days in the window opening four players in already we just have to be patient I guess and I'm, I'm from my perspective going back to the original question I think priority for me now would be a centre half I know we've brought two defenders in who can play centre half mm. but I still think we need another one because we have to prepare for going leaving Flint a player we mentioned before would be a great fit. I think. I think somebody like that who's going to add an aerial presence in the box, both ends of the pitch, score score your goals. But he's also a very good defender. Someone like that would be great. And he's not going to cost us what what Coney's going to cost a West Ham or a Burnley. So for me, centre half definitely, definitely. That's why I'd be looking the next centre half, and then maybe a keeper, and then maybe look towards striking options, maybe a loan from a bigger club. Someone like an Abraham who went to, to Bristol City, even from Chelsea. There's going to be players like that available who are looking for first team football in that league who are probably ready to play Premier League football they just need they need the experience of a club and like Sunderland really so um, I wouldn't get too hung up on the strike I think I think there's a reason there's a reason we haven't seen a lot of movement yet it's probably because we're just waiting to, to eke out the real the right deals really yeah and um, I think to kind of agree with Gav but disagree at the same time goals when you game so we're going to need um, options up front there and I hope they do come sooner rather than later but obviously you know you have to work with the market and work for it um, we definitely need a goalkeeper to replace Manone if he goes because Mika will, will not be up to the task um, and we've leaked goals in pre-season so I set the back basically the whole spine of the team and then I would follow up on that as well by saying we'd need somebody in midfield as well Gibson and Catamull will be good at championship level but can they play the whole season I'm not sure and Dong I'm really looking forward to, to seeing and Dong next season one of the only things I'm looking forward to I think he's he could be an asset in that league um, so the, the whole spine really and I think um, 
Colour and Gav touched on the point, but Grayson needs to be given time. If things aren't going well for the first period of the season, we need to uh, we need to not get on his back. I remember Keane the last time we went up. I think we were I think we were thirteenth at Christmas or something like that, um, and then we went on to barnstorm the league. Um, so we we need to give this guy a bit of time and not underestimate the rot that's kind of uh, set in at the club as well over recent years. I mean, what do you make of it all, Connor? You said you were particularly interested in the midfield. Do you think that we're strong in the midfield? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, James said there that, um, you know, Catamol and Gibson, are they going to be good enough for the championship or last as much in the championship? But I think with Catamol, Gibson, you know, we'll have McNair back as well. Didier and Dong as well going in centre midfield. Kazri can obviously play a central position as well. I think the last thing the club should be looking at now is a, a central midfielder. I mean, if the right one comes up, yes, go for it. If he's a good fit. But I don't think the club should be actively looking for one. Um, I actually thought at the start of the year it would be wonderful if they could have bought somebody like Charlie Adam, who was going to mm. provide goals from the middle, creativity. You know, he's an old singing, old dancing central midfielder that's perfect for the championship. And you saw him when he was at Blackpool then years ago how good he was. But is it worth blowing your budget if it's there? Um, you've done your business. Is it worth, you know, on deadline day going for somebody like him? Maybe. But I think currently we shouldn't be focusing on central midfield players. Possibly another winger. We saw the Snodgrass link the other week. I think we all got a bit excited about that. Maybe we got a bit ahead of ourselves. Thought, you know, Snodgrass, oh, that's going to be a cracking sign. I don't think we'll see a deal like that done. But a winger, maybe, a central midfielder, I would probably say were quite well stocked. Or certainly too well stocked compared to other areas of the pitch. Like what Gav mentioned with the centre-back and what I previously said about needing a striker. And obviously we've discussed the goalkeeping issue as well. For me, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of with Gav on the priorities of the signings. I would say defence, not just central defence, although I am terrified of John O'Shea playing more than a couple of games for us in the Championship. If he has to play more than a few hours in that league, he's just going to embarrass himself. For me, that's something that, personally, with John O'Shea, that annoys me about this continuation of his career. He's in a position where he could easily go into coaching and things like that. I mean, I can understand why he stuck around while we were struggling at the bottom of the Premier League. I can understand that. But now, it just feels like it just feels like he's come too far and he just needs to basically just take a step back and realise that his legs are gone, his reaction times are gone. I mean, he, he can't jump, he has trouble anticipating things, his communication's not great anymore. I, I've struggled to find good qualities in John O'Shea now. I'm not saying that he's, he's not been a good servant again like so many others, but as we were saying about Manoni, you've, just, you've got to be ruthless. And I think having someone like that, even as a backup, is, is a scary concept because for me I would like a young promising centre-back to be the backup to our very important priority centre-backs do you know what I mean that, that's something that I would prefer to have I'd like to feel a bit bit edgy when our new centre-back comes on when our young centre-back comes on because is he quite ready to make the step up or not well he's enthusiastic at the very least he's strong do you know it's like that. that that's something that would mean more to me than going alright well we've got to for example see out a draw or see out a, a 1-0 win then here, bring on John O'Shea. And it's like we've seen that happen so many times and we've seen it go wrong. So for me, particularly with Kone leaving, we need at least two central defenders. And from all accounts, Galloway got absolutely slaughtered on his flank in that match against St Johnston. I think I think defence is a, is a massive part of it. And personally, I would have always said that you need to build up your team from the defence. Um, and I stick by that. That's That's how I feel about football teams. I think that... Your defence is one of them, possibly the most important part of the whole game. So yeah, for me, I would definitely focus on that. I would bring at least two defenders in. And I mean, we know that the it's a constant struggle for Sunderland, isn't it? Bringing in good defenders, really. And that's why when we brought in Kone, uh, we were so we were so chuffed with him when he did well. Do you know what I mean? We, we receive particularly centre halves, like big stocky centre halves. We they're so well received at Sunderland. Heavy tacklers, things like that. It's, it's what we want. we want. We want people who other players are just going to bounce off. We want to know that when the inevitable moment comes, when someone's storming down towards our goal, that there's going to be like a mountain in between them and the goal. That's something that's very important. So I think that's what we should be focusing on. Then, obviously, yes, a striker. As it stands, though, with attacking options, if we take it out of the equation possible levers like um, Lenz and Kasri, as it stands right now on paper, I'm quite happy with our attack. I'm not. I'm, I, I definitely. I'm not sold on Vaughan. I don't know much about him. To be honest, and based on what I've heard, he, he might be all right. But it doesn't seem like anyone's expecting him to do 
particularly well. It doesn't seem like anyone's expecting to pull up three. Even everyone who's saying, give him a chance, doesn't seem like anyone's hoping that he's actually going to go on and score double figures for us. So obviously, and we've also been spoiled with Jermaine Defoe in a way, maybe not for the last few months of his time at Sunderland, for whatever reason, but when we had him for the 18 months beforehand, it was like we knew what we had, you know. There was a purpose, at least, to the long ball hoofing up the pitch, get it to the foe, because nine times out of ten he'll score. Turned out to be more like six times out of ten, but still, those sort of odds are, are brilliant. I think we're really going to struggle to replace those goals. I don't think we've got anyone capable of that. I think Vaughan definitely needs to be backed up by one or two out-and-out strikers, because we haven't got any. <laughs> this is the most scary thing about all of that. Uh, Tartlepool coming up next. Um, we'll give you a shout after that we'll record another episode and hopefully that'll go well um, I wouldn't get too hung up about it though. that's the reality isn't it yes pre-season means a lot to management and it's very important it's a very crucial part of the game but the results they, they're not what matter so it, while it isn't necessarily just about building up fitness or anything like that in a way the worse it is while it might not matter to us as fans it, it does matter to the manager so Best of luck to him, really. As much time as he can get, as much time as the management team get with their new players and anything, anyone that comes in. And just building up a general team spirit once the leaves have gone. That's what I'm looking forward to. And I think we've got that to look forward to, really, over the next two, three weeks. It'll be quite exciting times. As exciting as things can get for Sunderland in the Championship. So, yeah, thanks very much for joining us anyway for this episode. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on Acast and iTunes. Uh, also, do check out RokerReport.com. I say this every time I speak to you, but really worth your time, so do check that out. Uh, yeah, that's all we've got time for. Thanks very much. This is the Roker Report signing off. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.